Well, good evening, everyone. And hello to those who might be listening to this as a recording. I like to start by taking refuge. And so we can begin. I take refuge in the Buddha. I take refuge in the Dharma. And I take refuge in Sangha. So we've been going through this uh, teaching called the Ox Herding Pictures on uh, Monday nights. And each of the pictures depicts a stage, a pertinent, like you could say almost archetypal stage of the path of practice or the path of awakening uh, in the Zen tradition. and. As many of you know from personal experience, this isn't necessarily a linear path. And it's also not necessarily a path that we uh, go through just once, but it's a path with many twists and turns and beginning over again and uh, circling back and having stage 10 experiences and our first meditation, all sorts of things can happen. And yet, and yet, um, as many of you are also discovering, like a lot of these stages or states of the path are familiar. They're things that you do have experience with, that you know uh, directly. And sometimes that's, you know, what's helpful about a stage-based model, I think, is uh, it gives us sometimes some language for things that maybe uh, we have experience with, but we don't really realize, like, oh, this is part of the path, right? Um, and it usually kind of goes with these other things. So it can be, it can be a helpful map in that sense. Less a like, okay, when am I going to get to stage five? Let me, let me like look at all the descriptions about it and try to make that happen. But more like a, oh yeah, 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 I have experienced that. And here are some things um, maybe to look out for next time. Or um, because like I said, we, we tend to more like a spiral go through these various phases of practice. Uh, over and over again. So today we're on the fourth picture, four out of ten, and this one is called Catching the Ox. Catching the Ox, or, you know, for those of you who haven't been uh, following, the ox is a metaphor for our true nature. Uh, so we're, you know, we're playing with this metaphor of being ox herders. Uh, looking for something very obvious that's always been with us, but because of our confusions, delusions, conditioning, we miss it. And so we have this whole path of practice to come back to home, to come back to what we truly are, to begin to recognize um, the qualities of our essential nature and um, and affirm them. So I often like to show the image of the ox herding picture for those of you who are more 
image oriented or you know sometimes an image speaks so much more than the words can so today's image is we're actually seeing the ox's face <laughs> yeah and we have this us you know, pulling this ox by the nose so I don't love this translation for those of you who are reading the translation. Um, I'm going to read a different translation, but it's, it's the same, same spirit. So with each of the pictures, we have um, prose, a poem, and then sometimes even a shorter poem that's like the essential aspect of the, um, of the picture. It's called the waka. So I wanted to read all of those today. The first is the prose and it says, today you've encountered it, so long hidden in the wilds, but you can't keep up with its high spirits and it won't give up its love of sweet grasses. Even more willful as wild as ever, if you want to tame it, you must make great effort. So that's the prose and then we have the poem with your last ounce of strength you suddenly take it but stubborn and strong it won't be broken now it suddenly climbs to high ground now it descends to vanish deep into the mists and then the last one this is the waka. It's like the essence of it. Thinking only, ox, 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 don't let go. Just this is the real fetter. So for me, that one <laughs> maybe resonates the most. Um, thinking only, ox, ox, ox. So yeah, last week we talked about um, the, sorry, I just lost my talk. Uh, last week we talked about the Kencho experience. So the picture of number three of the ox herding pictures really talks about that first glimpse or the first seeing of our true nature and those kinds of experiences uh, can be can really be life changing. I mean, it's like we've been relating to the sense of self, the sense of separation, the sense of exile, our thoughts um, as the ground of who we are, and then suddenly we're opened to a much more reliable ground. It's a it's a taste of of oneness, where this duality of self and other momentarily is suspended, is dissolved. And while sometimes, uh, well, most of the time, like habits of mind can, you know, come back and s seem to cover that up, usually when we have a taste of that, like there is a certain kind of faith um, that we touch into that nobody can take away, including our own minds. Although many people sometimes experience doubt once 
conditioned habits come back. So that's what this one now is about. It's about what happens, you know, after we've had maybe one of those more peak experiences in practice. And, and there are many, there are many peak experiences that we may have in practice. So there are, you know, sometimes these ways that some common things that happen after we have a peak experience in practice. One is a trying to recreate it. And there are degrees to this and we're always doing it to an extent. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty strong habit. And I've seen and experienced many and this can look like, you know, this can look anything from like, okay, when that sense of self dropped away, I was sitting late into the night and I didn't eat dinner. And so tomorrow I'm not going to eat dinner and I'm going to like drink very little. Like you just kind of try to do the exact same thing that you did like four or five days ago or whenever the experience happened. And sometimes it's like re trying to recreate it like over the course of months or years like okay i did that retreat in 1994 i had that experience of bliss and i was i was doing breath practice that's it i need to do breath practice and you know we we can do this with so many different things in our lives but but it's very common to like you know to to try to recreate an experience based on conditioned when the experience that you had was an opening to the unconditioned which is not reliant on conditions but you know that's all we've got like all we've got to work with is conditions so we try you know we try to set up um, the conditions that we feel like would help support um, this this experience from happening again and, and of course like over time in practice we're less and less prone to to doing that but like especially in the early years of practice it's like that you know one peak experience or, or that deep experience that you had during a retreat like that's like that's the one thing you're kind of going on to like help establish faith in the practice and it's like of course you want to have like more of that and like figure out how to um yeah stabilize that and in the tibetan tradition that's that's what they often speak of after having a peak experience it's like okay you had a taste and now you need to stabilize that and actually live through that live from that and that's you could say that's what the rest of these ox herding pictures are really showing us is how to stabilize that taste of awakening and deepen it because it is much more than, you know, that first glimpse. But I think, you know, something that we're touching, I'm curious if anyone has had that experience or trying to recreate something that happened. Yeah, some nods. Yeah, <laughs> okay, yeah. So, you know, something that we are touching in in this is a really genuine longing like there there's something very 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 real in in this in these tastes of awakening or seeing our true nature or, or of this the reified self like dropping away momentarily there's something very real there and so 
you know, to want to recreate it or to want to immerse in it more is, is a form of like deep spiritual longing or, or vow. And, and even, you know, I like to think of this ox herding picture as the ox herding picture of devotion. It's like becoming devoted to your true nature. Like before, you know, before we have a glimpse of it, we're basically, and this is so much what the first and second ox herding pictures are about, we're, we're basically going on faith. Like we read some inspiring stories about an, the ancestors or we, we resonate with certain teachings. We're like, oh, I want to know the truth, but I, I haven't really tasted it for myself. And then we get this taste and it's like, yes. And, and, and that can be like a new place of, of devotion in our practice. The word devotion didn't really resonate with me in my early years of practice, but it resonates with me more and more as I continue practicing. Like there's something very beautiful about like, okay, we can't recreate the conditions that allowed for that awakening experience or can show whatever you want to call it by like, you know, doing certain kind of silly rituals like oh I'll like sit in the same way or sit at a specific time but we can foster more of the conditions for awakening to arise by by practicing I mean that's that's how it's going to happen that's how our attention is going to stabilize that's how we're going to continue to recognize the ox which is always present is by creating the conditions in our heart and mind to be able to allow for the mind to open. And so that, you know, in, in Zen, that's often doing Zazen <laughs> in all its various forms, like practicing loving kindness, practicing um, concentration, um, doing retreat, continuing to hear the teachings everything from the first two ox herding pictures still applies and 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 there can be we can tap into sometimes like a, a new kind of faith a kind of, of of longing or motivation can deepen um, from from our direct experience and a, a kind of devotion to um, the ox <laughs> to the unconditioned uh, can arise and maybe we feel that as like a heart longing or a pull to uh, continue to practice and to deepen practice so Muman uh, Roshi has something to say about this in his commentary on the eight or on the ten ox herding pictures and I wanted to uh, read that real quick mm. So he says, just catching sight of the ox is not enough. You must get a tight rope on it, or a tight rope on it. Tame it and make it your own. The Zen priest Ikyu wrote, with just one glance at the figure of Miss Original Face, standing there, you fall in love with her with just one glance at the figure of Miss Original Face. Standing there, 
you fall in love with her. And we talked about that a little, like that quality of love a little last week when we were talking about Kensho and you know the image of the oxes of the ox's backside. Um, because like no artist can capture the beauty. You know, no words can capture the beauty of our original face. So it's speaking to that like like it is like falling in love, but you're falling in love with yourself, with your true nature. And so there can be sometimes, and you know, different people experience this in different ways, but there can be this like, oh, like I really want to know this Miss Original Face. Or, you, know, you don't have to gender it. Um, but I really want to know my original face, like really know it, know everything. Like you do you know, when we're kind of love struck and falling in love and we think we want to know everything about this new person and, and can listen, you know, it's interesting being in a relationship with somebody for some time. It's like, oh, like I remember when we were falling in love. I could listen to you talk about yourself for hours and find it fascinating. You remember that? Like there's just, there's a sweetness there and that, you know, that's sometimes in, in the Zen tradition, we call it the honeymoon period. So we don't always have these moments of deep inspiration, but sometimes we do when we touch something that deeply touches us. We sometimes like get get hit with this like kind of falling in love with the practice, and and this can happen in so many different ways and so many different forms. It doesn't always have to be after a peak experience. Sometimes it can be quite like subtle and beautiful. Like I remember this experience just recently of, of really feeling like, oh, I fell in love with my breath. And now it's just this reliable, like I can, can tune into my breath and I feel this like lover with me. And it's really sweet. And you know, that, that's something that just kind of opened up on its own through doing breath practice. And it wasn't this big aha it's like, oh, that's like another way of talking about refuge when we have those like moments of really falling in love with the practice. That's another way of saying that we fall in, we can fall in love with, with Zazen or with, with whatever practice you um, do when you're on the cushion or off the cushion. So that you know, that was kind of speaking to the, the recreate, trying to recreate the experience. Another thing that sometimes can happen after we have an opening or a peak experience is um, we encounter our expectations of what, you know, what we've projected onto that experience should happen afterwards or what it means. Like, oh, I had this such and such experience and that means that sometimes it's like, that means like I shouldn't have to deal with my anxiety anymore or or I didn't, like I got some space from it and now it's back and that shouldn't happen. So it's like, in a way, when we have these kinds of peak experiences, like everything changes. Because the ground, like whatever we thought we were, no longer fits into that narrative that we have about ourselves. So like everything kind of needs to change and shift. And then in another way, like nothing changes. We're still 
the human being that we are. We still have all of our conditioning. What is revealed has actually always been here. (laughs) So, you know, it's a both and. It's like we've seen through our conditioning. So we know to an extent, and there's always more to know, but we know to an extent that original face before our conditioning takes hold. We know who we are before we were born. We have, you know, we have a glimpse of that. And (laughs) that doesn't take away the conditioning that will arise due to causes and conditions, right? That's the definition of conditioning. So we still live in these conditioned bodies. We still have conditioned brains. And under certain circumstances, fear arises. Under certain certain circumstances, the inner critic arises. And sometimes when we get space from it, or when we return to the mind ground, when we come back, there can be like frustration that we still have all of our human foibles and conditioning and uh, places of, of pain. And sometimes there can be like more space. So we see that conditioning from a new angle, maybe have some more forgiveness for ourselves or for others who may have hurt us or sometimes have more compassion for ourselves and can just relate to whatever is arising in our body, our mind, our heart from a different place. And that, you know, in and of itself is part of this practice. But sometimes it can be like jarring to go from having this peak experience back into like our human life <laughs> with all of its its challenges including the challenges of our own minds and and our own you know our emotions that can sometimes be challenging to feel and so doubt can set in we can have this idea like oh if you know if that was a true experience if i really saw my true nature like this wouldn't be happening so therefore like it didn't work which are encountering expectations whenever we say something didn't work. It didn't work or it wasn't a true opening. We start doubting ourselves or the experience or we like label it like, oh, I'm just not good at this. Like Eckhart Tolle, he had an opening and he seemed to like be able to do better than I'm doing. We don't know that. We don't know what he was doing on the park benches for years, what was actually going on in his mind. And so like those, those are really common. And I like to say that because I, I talk to so many people who have that. I've had that. Like, you know, we, 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 when, you know, when you have such an elevated experience and, you know, there are different degrees of that, but still like when we have even like moments of separation from the inner critic and get to see like, oh, that's not who I am. And then the next day it's like back really strong. It can be like, wait, what's going on here? And it can be sobering. It can be sobering to see that our habits are still here. And you know, there are different, different kinds of experiences. Sometimes people do have like a break from the inner critic for months. 
or a break from anxiety for a year and then it's back and it's like, wait, wait, wait. So, you know, when we really get to know the mind before these long conditioned patterns set in, there's a possibility that we can work with them differently. And that's, you know, you know, sometimes I think of like the path of liberation and the path of healing, they go together. And, and the path of liberation includes liberating ourselves from our fixed beliefs. And one big aspect of that is like, you know, from true nature's point of view, anything that's arising in the mind or body or heart isn't a problem, actually. It's the egoic mind that thinks like, oh, to be a fully realized Buddha is to have no thoughts or to only think loving kindness thoughts or to have no inhibitions or, you know, whatever it is, like that's our projection onto what awakening should look like. You know, in the Zen tradition, awakening looks like this. <laughs> it's, you know, we talk about our original nature. It's, it's what's happening right here. It has to include this. It has to. And so, yeah, like I was reflecting on, we have, we have these stories of Eckhart Tolle and, and Byron Katie, they're two contemporary people who didn't practice before they had big openings or big peak experiences, but they practiced after. And that's a good, good lesson. The Buddha practiced until he died after his you know, as, as far as the story goes, full awakening experience. So we, like the continuing to practice goes for everyone. And you know, like for, for Byron Katie, she didn't have a practice before. And so this system that she calls the work, these four questions just arose in her mind and became her practice. But she learned to meditate through using those four questions and really, really contemplating them. So I think like one of the important aspects of this particular stage on the path is beginning to like one, we're dismantling our beliefs about what awakening is. And another is we're like getting to expand our view of what's included on the path. So we may, you know, have some idea of like, you know, the saint that will become. And then it's like, wait, I had this taste of awakening and I'm still human. And, and it's like, oh yeah, like all of this gets to be included on the path. And it's like, you know, from that place of our awakened experience or of from the unconditioned, we can see conditioning for what it is. So those thoughts, the inner critic or um, the inner critic's getting a lot of time right now in this talk or, or the anxious mind or the worrier or, you know, some trauma that's stored in the body, like 
we can see that arise and it's not the whole of who we are. And that in and of itself is liberation. We don't have to invest in those narratives. And so, you know, the more we can stabilize or see into the nature of mind or our true nature, the more that becomes the ground and our conditioning will continue to rise, but we'll be less invested in it. And that means like less invested in needing to get rid of it, change it, make it better. Um, And what's beautiful about that is then it can heal on its own. Like not being invested in it, not fighting with it, not, you know, just continuing the narrative that's caused so much suffering allows it to just be. And then it, you know, we've, we talk about this sometimes in Zazen, like when we don't fight with a thought or invest in the thought, like believe it, it liberates itself. And that's true moment to moment with any, anything in the conditioned world that arises. It's like this too is included in the path and this too, like everything else that arises, is impermanent, it's changing, and it's, it's empty of a fixed self. So therefore, there, it's made of space. And we can, lo- we can learn to trust that. I think that that poem, the last one that I read, the thinking only ox, 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 don't let go. Just this is the real fetter. I think that's you know, so much the essence of this particular um, ox herding picture. Because, like, we're turning, and this is common, but we're turning the experience of Kensho or the peak experience into something, and then we're fixated on that. Whereas the ox is who we are. Like, we can't fall off the ox. And I think, you know, I was thinking about this. Um, this ox herding picture is is sometimes called catching the ox. And I was thinking, well, actually we're caught by the ox. And part of this, this picture is, is like developing that faith that the ox will catch us, will keep catching us. Like we can't fall off because it's our, it's our nature. Like it's always been here. So how could we possibly lose it? How could we possibly fall off of it? And it's, it's, you know, just continuing to develop that faith that will always be carried by the ox. I was thinking about my, my aunt when I was growing up, I was raised Christian. Um, she had that, like, really beautiful poem of, called Footprints, um, where somebody's speaking to uh, Jesus and, and saying, like, like, oh, I see, like, there are, two sets of footprints walking down the beach, but like there are times where there's only one set and those are the times when I've had the hardest 
time or experience the most challenge like why how could you abandon me during like these hard hard parts in my life and Christ says no 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 you, you're misunderstanding like those times when you see one set of footprints that's the times I was carrying you and like I think that's a big part of this fifth or fourth ox herding picture is like the times when we feel most abandoned or like that we're we're so alone or like so troubled by like how could it go away like it opened up and then it went away it's like actually part of that is is seeing that this too is the path that this too you are carried your original nature is right here right in the midst of this and it's harder earned maybe than than the like beautiful peak experiences that come out of nowhere but it just deepens, it deepens, it deepens our faith. So thank you, thank you for your practice. And I'm curious if anybody has any questions, any comments.